Okay, today we're going to be talking about when to train what. So I get a lot of questions from individuals who have vocations but are multidisciplinary athletes. So these are individuals who are working generally from about 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And especially once I released the ideal day, which talked about you know natural peaks in your cortisol curve and sunlight and circadian biology and when to train uh, as is naturally optimal for that. If you're wondering, it's basically 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. starting those training sessions. And so, but a lot of individuals can't do that because they have a vocation. So when you're deciding, you know, do I train first thing in the morning or do I train in the evening? I'm going to give you guys some principles that will guide that decision making for you, uh, especially when you're multidisciplinary, because when you're multidisciplinary, you know, you, you often have multiple training sessions in the day. And you often have multiple training priorities. So let's get into it. Principle one is train your top priorities first. So this is essential, guys. This is the number one principle. And so I'm going to talk about you know, when there might be some exceptions to this. But in almost every case, you want to train your top priorities first. So if you are a hybrid athlete and you are training both strength and conditioning simultaneously, you need to know which of those is a higher priority for you because it's going to determine what you train first. So this has to do with the application of intensity. You only have so much intensity to apply to training. And once you deplete a certain amount of that, then you need a sleep cycle and you need a feeding cycle. You need the moon to come up. You need hygiene. You need all of these processes that encourage your natural recovery before your ability to apply the same amount of intensity is restored. And so there are other mechanisms besides that, but uh, that is uh, the main one. And it just kind of goes without saying, you know, it's like you, you're more tired after you train. So you want to train your top priorities first. So the second principle is train fed. Now you want to hold these in tension with each other because a lot of individuals who are training both strength and conditioning they may train before work as well as after work. And so they have considerations with regards to, well, should I do my aerobic work fasted first thing in the morning and then train strength fed? I do think that is a, an optimal protocol for a lot of individuals. Having them train strength when they're, they've had at least two meals rather than trying to squeeze the calories in right upon waking. Because a lot of times, you know, these are individuals with vocations who are getting up and they expect their you know the machine to be working at a really high level within an hour of waking often before the sun and you know or, or you can kind of squeeze some carbs into the system and have that uh you know just have some oats have a banana have a carbohydrate shake you know have some some dextrose have some maltodextrin have some you know corn derived uh starch uh, highly processed options, things like that, um, that sit in the stomach and tend not to disrupt aerobic training as much. Um, but if you were to go and try and do a strength session, even if it's your top priority, you know, you might find that the quality of the strength session is more impaired by the lack of feeding. So, uh, there, those are two principles that you want to hold together, train your top priorities first, and you, but you also want to train fed. And it seems that aerobic training 
it seems in personal and clinical experience does not is not as impaired by uh, you know your blood glucose state. It certainly is impaired. So I would still recommend if you're training first thing in the morning, even if it's aerobic work, to have some carbohydrates before you go and do that session, as long as you can tolerate it. Uh, or just you know perhaps even wake up a little bit earlier so that you can have a meal before your aerobic training session so that you can uh, increase the quality of that training session because it's it's well demonstrated that the your performance in especially an endurance or an aerobic training session um, I'm sure this has been de demonstrated in strength sessions I just didn't I, I didn't look for studies on it but it's sufficient that in personal clinical experience if you try to do strength training fasted good luck. You know, you, you, you need, uh, your blood glucose, you need great mental acuity. And so, um, you know, if anything, it's even more so for strength that you want to be fed. So principle two is train fed. Okay. This is where some individuals have noticed a gene transcription mechanism or a fat oxidation mechanism with training fasted. And they may say things like, well, you know, in this research study, I saw that mRNA was, uh, you know, indicated for better future aerobic performance when I trained fasted. And my response to that, uh, you know, those mechanisms are completely unimportant relative to your performance in the training session. Your performance in the training session is the most important metric. There is no other mechanism, no physiological uh, measurable that matters as much as your performance in the training session. So you can talk about mRNA, you can talk about fat oxidation, fat oxidation all you want, but if your performance, and this has been demonstrated in research studies, if you are in a carbohydrate fed state and your blood glucose is higher, then your performance in exercise increases. And, and that's all there is to it. There is, even if there is, you know, a fat oxidation mechanism or an mRNA mechanism that some studies have indicated is there, those are not going to affect your long-term development nearly as much as if you are performing at a higher level, practicing faster paces, lifting heavier loads in your training session. It's just, uh, it, they're, they're, they're just, uh, I, I can say that with such a high degree of confidence, there's a possibility that I'm wrong and that, you know, training fasted is the way, uh, I just, I, in my clinical experience, I can say with a very high degree of confidence that your performance in the training session is more important than any physiological mechanism, any physiological mechanism, especially something like mRNA transcription or fat oxidation. One of the studies, so I, I was reading a review that talked about this and one of the studies they cited was they took a group of athletes and they had them train for 10 weeks and in the first study, they had them train once a day in a fed state. And then in the second iteration, they had them train every other day was a two a day. And one of those sessions was in a fasted state. And then they cited all of these benefits to the fact that those athletes had trained one of their two sessions in a fasted state. And that is a perfect example of <laughs> a research study totally missing the mechanism at play because the, the mechanism there is that they trained one of their training sessions more fresh than when they were training one mega session. And this leads into principle number three, which is train fresh. 
So if you can afford to do it, if your calendar, you know, your, your time audit affords the opportunity for you to train multiple sessions, that is preferable to training one mega session. So when you train one mega session, you have, you know, the fatigue is building up, building up, building up. And by the time you get into hour two, hour three of the session, your fatigue has built up to, you know, level X. Whereas if you had done the first hour, hour and a half of that session, and then you had a meal or two and you did some hygiene and you spent some time sitting in a chair at your office job or whatever it is that you do, and then you come back, your fatigue is going to have dissipated somewhat. And your quality of that second session, the, the work that you perform in that second session is going to be higher than if you had put it immediately after the first hour, hour and a half of training. So multiple shorter training sessions are better than one mega session. However, there are exceptions to this based upon circadian biology. So circadian biology is like, it's like the principle that governs all the other principles. It's so high order. So if you have an individual, uh, you know, like I have many clients with vocations who don't get off work until 5 36 PM and I have them train in the morning because their sleep quality is so much better versus if I have them get their cortisol spiked again, uh, get their, you know, get them into their sympathetic nervous system, get them all excited. If they were to go and do that training session in the PM at, you know, get to the gym at 630 and train till 8 PM. And then now we have to feed and then the feeding is going to disrupt sleep even more and they have to train the next morning. So there are totally exceptions to this rule guys, like circadian biology governs all other principles pretty much. So, um, if you have to, you know, work till five thirty six PM, then you're probably better off, you know, picking, am I going to, am I going to train before or am I going to train after? So, um, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, miss some of the highest order principles, things like circadian biology at the, um, at the expense of, you know, doing something that seems optimal. Like you, you can feel, you can feel what's optimal for you. Principle number four is practice new skills, fresh practice, new skills, fresh. This just means that, uh, so when you're fatigued, your sensitivity to errors goes down. So you're less sensitive to when you're messing up. And that is not conducive to motor learning because the goal of motor learning is to practice movement with a very high degree of virtuosity. And so if you're fatigued, then you're less sensitive to errors, then you're not even noticing when you're losing that virtuosity. So you want to practice new skills in the least fatigued state possible. That one is pretty straightforward. There's this, is, we're, we're getting into intra session now, rather than intra day, we're looking at intra session. Principle number five is fast, slow. This has to do with the speed of contraction. So uh, you know, a, an example of going slow to fast and messing this up would be like, I do my rowing intervals and then I do glute ham raises and then I do power cleans and then I do hundred meter sprints. <laughs> that would, God, that would be like a hamstring injury guaranteed. So you basically, uh, inverted the fast to slow versus if I flip that around, I do my hundred meter sprints. And then I do some power cleans and then I do my glute ham raises and then I do my rowing interval. So you see how it, 
it went the opposite direction. So we went from fast contractions to slow contractions. You know, the mechanisms here have to do with the, the central fatigue. They have to do with excitation of the nervous system. And so once you know the principles, you can play around with them a little bit, but you always want to use them as landmarks when you're, whenever you're designing your day or designing your training session. Principle number six is most structurally damaging last. So structurally damaging this, you know, in CrossFit, it's called accessory work. It's, it's, uh, you know, the glute hammeries example. So if I were to approach failure in a glute ham raise, I would get a ton of disruption of the hamstring if I'm, you know, doing the exercise appropriately with the right intention, with the right tempo, et cetera. And so when I have that disruption of the hamstring tissue, I don't want to then go challenge it at very high speeds. So sp speed is risk, guys. Speed is risk. And so if I pre-fatigue the tissue and I pre-disrupt the tissue and then I introduce the highest, you know, speed contraction, I'm going into the highest risk activity with a pre-disposition uh, to injury, essentially. And so uh, rather than do your glute ham raises and get a ton of disruption of the hamstring, and then go do your 100-meter sprints, do the 100-meter sprints first, and do your glute ham raises last. That would be an example with the hamstring. Okay, guys. So to review, principle number one is train your top priorities first. So this has to do with the application of intensity. Principle number two is train fed. So when you train fed, your performance in training is going to be higher than if you train in a fasted state. It's been well demonstrated both clinically and in research studies. And your performance in the training session is a way more important metric than any physiological mechanism, whether that's gene transcription or fat oxidation, et cetera. Principle number three is train fresh. Principle number four is now we're getting into intra-session, practice your new skills fresh so that you're more sensitive to errors. Principle number five is fast contractions to slow contractions. Principle number six is most structurally damaging last. Okay, guys, see you in the next one.